Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Here we share powerful messages that will inspire and encourage you in your walk with God. Join us on this journey and discover the power of God's Word today. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday comes 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. You remember last week that we talked about the ascension of Jesus, which comes 40 days after the resurrection. And what Mark said earlier from Acts 1.8 is that Jesus told the disciples that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit to be empowered to be witnesses. And Acts 1, he tells them that, he ascends to heaven. In Acts 2, the believers are praying together, and this wind comes among them, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit, and these tongues like flames of fire show up on top of them. Now, the location of the disciples when they receive the Holy Spirit is important because they're in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem at that time, I think we have a map of Jerusalem, was packed with Jewish people from different parts of the world who had come back to Jerusalem to worship. And those people who came back to Jerusalem knew the Hebrew language, but they also knew other languages from the parts of the world that they were living in. And as they hear the disciples, they hear the disciples speaking not Hebrew, but these languages from the parts of the world that they're living in. (laughs) Speaking of languages. Um, And so they're amazed and they don't know what to make of it because the disciples that are speaking in different languages are from Galilee, which means they're country bumpkins. They're not educated people. And so everyone goes, what do we make of this? And we're going to explore a little bit about the Holy Spirit today, knowing that Today is the day we celebrate Pentecost. We're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit and hopefully just remembering what it means when we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit from the Apostles' Creed. I hope that that encourages you today. So let me pray and then we'll read some scripture. Uh, Lord, we do pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us here this morning, that he would help us understand the scriptures and be encouraged and be counseled and receive power. We pray for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit this morning. And all God's people said. Let me read some scripture to you from various parts of the Bible. Uh, John 15, Jesus says, When the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. John 16, he goes on, Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because they do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will will no longer see me, and about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the what? All the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. This is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. Titus chapter 3 verses 4 through 7, Paul writes, But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us 
not by the works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the who? Holy Spirit. He poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Second Peter 1 says, No prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Ephesians 4, making every effort to keep the unity of the what? The Spirit, through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is above all and through all and in all. And then our last scripture, Ephesians 4, says, and don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. The word of God. In my opinion, the best movie scenes are the ones that make you forget you're watching a movie and make you feel like you're there. I feel that way in the opening five minutes of the movie Saving Private Ryan. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. We have a slide from that, the opening scene. Uh, the opening scene takes place on June 6, 1944, D-Day, where uh, the Allied forces go from England and invade France to set Europe free from the, the, the control of Hitler and the Nazis. And it's interesting the way that that movie opens up because it opens up and these guys are just in a boat and you can feel the anxiety as they get closer and closer to the beach. Uh, their faces are filled with nervousness because they know that those boats are about to land on the beaches of Normandy, the door's going to drop and then they are no longer protected. They're on a mission to get to Berlin. And that film is so powerful in that opening scene because you're there with them. You, you, your gut sort of turns and, and you almost feel the ocean splashing on your face as it splashes on their face. And as their commanding officers give them orders, my, as I watch it, my anxiety just grows because I feel like I'm there as they wait for the door to drop. See, it's not just that that movie makes you forget that you're watching a movie. That movie actually makes you feel like you're there, like you're feeling what they're feeling. Uh, alone, vulnerable, and maybe irrelevant. I say alone because even though they're surrounded by their brothers, by their friends, it still must feel very much alone with their own thoughts as they're about to storm the beaches. Even though they have weapon in hand, I'm sure they felt extremely vulnerable. And even though they were one of many, in fact, you see all the boats, there were literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of boats. You have to wonder when they set foot on that beach if they felt somewhat irrelevant and they were going to lose their lives. 
You know, when Jesus teaches about the Holy Spirit, we often forget the context that he's talking to his disciples in. Jesus is talking to his disciples much in the same sense that the commanders were giving orders to the people to storm the beaches of Normandy. The Holy Spirit wasn't some safe thing that they were going to experience. Rather, it was someone they were going to experience in the midst of not being safe. Jesus teaches his disciples about the Holy Spirit in the context that they are too are being sent. In fact, they're facing death and destruction and persecution themselves. In John 16, verse two, he says this sort of nonchalantly, hey, disciples, they will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering service to God. Thanks, Jesus. That's really encouraging. You can understand the disciples themselves felt alone, vulnerable, maybe even irrelevant. But I find that incredibly helpful as we talk about the Holy Spirit. Because I think if we were all honest as followers of Jesus, there are moments in our lives where we know we're sent. We know we're to invade, not with destruction, but with love. We know that we are being called to fight, not to destroy someone else, but rather to fight with forgiveness and mercy. And in a world as broken and as violent as it is, we often feel anxious. We often feel alone. We often feel vulnerable. We often feel irrelevant. We feel like the disciples. We feel like those men who were storming the beaches of Normandy. And what we end up doing is in the midst of that feelings of anxiety, we can either have the fight or flight response. By that, I mean, we look at people who don't know the Lord Jesus, or we look at people who are our enemies, and we go and we fight rather than love. Or, or we can just stay on the boat and not engage at all. It's in the midst of those emotions and those feelings that I believe in the Holy Spirit. When we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, it actually takes on a deep power and significance in our lives. What if we listened and thought carefully about what Jesus teaches about the Holy Spirit? What if we learn what it means when we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit of God? Well, in the, in the midst of our anxiety, in the midst of feeling alone, vulnerable, and irrelevant, I think it would help us. I think it would help us because we would learn something about God's presence, something about God's power, and something about God's purpose. First of all, God's presence. When, when we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, we're saying something about God's presence when we feel alone. Because God's Spirit fills us permanently with God's presence. Uh, God's Spirit is a person. It's not a thing, it's not a force, it's the third person of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Another way to say it is as a spirit, he's made up of God's stuff. He's not made up of human stuff, which is why we can feel him, but we cannot see him. And as a member of the Trinity, he is as much God as the Father and the Son. 
And when he comes into our lives, he brings the agenda of God with him. As he's presence in our heart and in our minds, he brings God's agenda with him. And we know some of his agenda by his name. Throughout scripture, he's called the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of life, the spirit of holiness, of grace, of adoption, or even the spirit of Christ himself. And in the passage that we read, Jesus calls him the counselor, or we know him as the helper, or the one who comes alongside. He he is a person, not a feeling, but a person, a member of the Trinity. And although he's not a feeling, we do feel him. We do feel him when he's present because part of his role is that he brings conviction in our lives when we do things that don't please the Lord. He pulls us in directions that we should go when we're going in directions that we shouldn't. He gives us the encouragement we need when we feel alone or vulnerable or irrelevant. His primary role isn't to make us feel something, although sometimes he does. We often forget that part of the role of the Holy Spirit isn't just to make us feel something, but rather to tell us how God feels. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 4.30. He says, and do not grieve God's Holy Spirit. That is to say God's Holy Spirit is in us to let us know how God feels about things that we do that are pleasing to God or not pleasing to God. We get often confused when it comes to our own emotions and the role of the Holy Spirit. And some people look at the Holy Spirit in their life and, and they kind of go, listen, I don't want to feel any guilt about anything. Guilt has to do with religion. And I don't want to feel anything when it comes to guilt. I don't want anyone to tell me I'm wrong. I don't want to be convicted of any sin. I just want to be free. Well, we totally miss the role of the Holy Spirit at that point. The Holy Spirit isn't there to make you feel guilty. Rather, he's there to convict you of guilt. The difference is one is a feeling. The second is when you have crossed a line. You may break into someone's house and not feel guilty, but yet you are convicted of guilt. The Holy Spirit's job is not to make you feel awful about yourself, but rather to show you when you have done something that is not pleasing to God. And so much of the shame that we feel is not from the Holy Spirit, rather that is something in our minds that we feel about ourselves. The Holy Spirit's job, his role, his desire is not to make you feel awful about yourself. It is to guide you in to truth. See, even in this verse, don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. We look at that and we go, well, I don't want to be sad about the Holy Spirit being sad, but we miss the second half of the verse. You were sealed by him, the Holy Spirit, for the day of redemption. What that means is because the Holy Spirit is in you, God has committed to be in relationship with you, whether you sin, whether you do good, whether you do bad, God is committed to being in your life and being in relationship with you. He wants, no, he commits to be that close to you from now until eternity. Your destiny, if you are a follower of Jesus, is to be 
with God forever. And he is so committed to that destiny with you that he has put his spirit in you now to guide you in this life and into the next. God's spirit fills us with God's presence the moment we come to know Jesus. So in those moments, when you feel alone, remind yourself, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the one who fills me with God's presence. The Spirit fills us with God's presence, but he also plugs us into God's power. Titus 3, chapter 4, verse 7 tells us that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives even before we come to know Jesus. It says that he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, praise God, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by what? By the Holy Spirit. He poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. What Paul's trying to get across is that God's spirit plugs in God's power into the deepest part of who you are in order to draw you to Jesus Christ. God is that committed to you that he sends the spirit to open the eyes of your heart so that the power of God to see Jesus Christ explodes in the deepest part of you before you have any idea that Jesus is Lord. God's power is at work through his spirit in the deepest part of who you are, from the deepest part of him. One of the things that we miss about the Spirit is that the Spirit reveals things to us in the deepest part of who we are from the deepest part of who God is. Paul says it this way in 2 Timothy 3.16. He says, all scripture is inspired by God. And then Peter goes on to say, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Both Peter and Paul are talking about the power of God in the gift of Scripture. The Scripture that reveals to us the deepest part about who God is. It's the hidden things that God reveals to us that we get to read in this book called the Bible that shows us the heart and the mind of God that was given to these men so that they could write it down and it be declared to us. See, one of the things that we get confused about when we talk about the Holy Spirit is we talk sometimes about the Holy Spirit and then the Holy Scriptures. And some people say, well, I lean towards being a Holy Scripture type person. And some other people say, no, I lean towards being a Holy Spirit type person. What we don't get is how ridiculous that sounds. See, you can't say I'm Spirit-led, I don't need the Word, because the Spirit's the one who wrote the Word. Uh, the Word comes from the Spirit. It's a tool of the Spirit that is meant to empower us in the Christian life. And so the, the power of the Spirit is not separated from the Word that the Spirit wrote. The Word and the Spirit go together. So, so think about this. And Which side of the coin do you tend to fall on? You, you can't have a real relationship with God without the Scripture God's Spirit gave us to understand God. And at the same time, you can't have an intimate relationship with God without the Holy Spirit igniting your heart for God. Sometimes we have passion for God without knowledge from his word about God. 
And that lacks power because we don't know God in his deepest parts. And at the same time, there are people who have accuracy of God's word without Holy Spirit intimacy. And that lacks power as well because you're not letting God into the deepest part of who you are. See, God's power is about the deepest part of who he is getting into the deepest part of you through the word and through the spirit. God's spirit installs God's power in the deepest part of you from the deepest part of him. His power is through the spirit's presence and the word that the spirit wrote as a gift for us. So that you and I could together be part of God's purposes through the Holy Spirit. That's the last thing I want to point out, that God's spirit mobilizes God's purposes in his people. God's spirit is meant to bring to life the purposes of God in us as individuals and us as a church. See, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, often we think more in terms of our culture or our church background. And as a blended family of diverse people, we have different backgrounds when it comes to church. So some people come from churches where there's a lot of emotion and there's a lot of expression. And then we tend to tie the work of the Holy Spirit with lots of emotion and lots of expression. But other people come from traditions where it's more reflective and it's more silent. And so those people tend to think that in the quiet is where the Spirit most works. And so what we tend to do is instead of seeing what God is doing among us, we tend to judge each other. We tend to judge each other. And, and these people say, uh, these people say the Holy Spirit's not over there because there's no passion. And these people say, well, the Holy Spirit's not over there because it's just too showy. It's just too much. But in that, we're missing the purposes of God because we're wanting each other to become more like me, more like us than being more like Christ. See, the purposes of God and the Holy Spirit isn't that we become like each other. It's that together we become like Christ. God's Spirit mobilizes God's purpose, and that purpose is Christ-likeness. In Galatians 5, verses 22 through 23, it says the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the work of the Spirit. What he's bringing to bear in us as the people is this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things that the Holy Spirit is bringing to bear in us together. These are the things that describe who Jesus was and how God is recreating us into the image of Jesus. These are the things that when we hear our brothers and sisters in need, ignite us into his purposes. Gabby talked a little bit about serving, about serving one another. Part of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to give us spiritual gifts so that we have a place to work out the fruit of the Spirit together. See, this is the amazing thing. You and I feel irrelevant so often in our lives. If you feel irrelevant, sign up. And, and teach the kids on a Sunday. For one hour a week, you become super relevant to what God is doing in that room through the work of the Holy Spirit. So many people have said, one of the reasons I stayed at this church was because there was a smiling face at the front door. Uh, guys, 
These opportunities to serve are the very places that God is working out his simple purpose in us. If you, have, if you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have a gift to share with the rest of the body. Don't keep it to yourself. Find a place to express the purposes of God through the Holy Spirit. Because we need this together. We, we need each other. The second purpose I want to talk about is not just the purpose of Christ-likeness, but the purpose of Christian unity, of being one. We live in such a polarized society right now, and we look at each other as Christians with suspicion because we don't agree on certain things, because our cultures are different, or our politics don't exactly line up, or we, we disagree about solutions to injustice. Well, well, let me tell you, let me give you a number, 527. 527 is the number of days until the next election, the next presidential election. There are gonna be a ton of opportunities for you to fight as a congregation about politics. Will you prioritize the work of the unity of the spirit in the midst of a divided season in our, in our culture? Will you get lost in the elections? Will you begin to think that your purpose is to correct people that don't agree with you politically or that your purpose is to be united in Christ together? Yuval Levin, in his great book, A Time to Build, says this, the trouble is, that we have for, the trouble is not that we have forgotten how to agree, but that we have forgotten how to disagree. See, as Christians, we should be the best disagreeers with each other because we have the Holy Spirit. No matter what we disagree on, we have the unity of the Spirit together. See, as our culture finds more of their identity in where they are socially, everything will become a dividing point. But for us, our identity is always primarily in Jesus and the spirit of Jesus living in us. So even when we disagree, we have a reference point together. Instead of us always saying those Christians over there, we need to start saying us. We are one in the spirit. We have so much common ground. That is what Paul is getting at in Ephesians 4, 3 through 5, where he says, if it so happens to happen, keep the unity of the Spirit. No, that's not what he says. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of Spirit through the bond of peace, through what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. Because though there are infinite political positions you can have, there are all these cultures you can come from. And I'm not saying those things are insignificant. What I'm saying is this scripture tells us there is something more significant. And in the midst of the polarization, there is one body, there is one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one spirit that dwells in us together. See, being a Christian isn't about uniformity of perspective. Rather, it's about unity of the God who lives in us through his spirit. We are one in family. We are one in name. We are one in Jesus. Heather King 
was an NPR columnist and writer. She was a recovering alcoholic who found faith in Jesus Christ, and she reluctantly joined a church, and she said this great thing about the church that she reluctantly joined. My first impulse was to think, my God, I don't want to worship with these nutcases or these boring people or people with different politics or taste in music or food or books or whatever. But then she said, nothing shatters our egos like worshiping with people we did not handpick. The humiliation of discovering that we are thrown in with extremely unpromising people people who are broken, misguided, wishy-washy, out for themselves, people who are us. See, as much as she was pointing the finger, she realized the finger pointed back to her. She, She went on, she says, but we don't come to church to be with people who are like us in the way we want them to be. We come because we have staked our souls on the fact that Christ is the way, that Christ is the truth, and that Christ is the life. And the church is the best place, the only place to be while we all struggle to figure out what that means. Then listen to her last sentence. We come because we'd be hard pressed to say, which is the bigger of the two scandals of God? That he loves us or that he loves everyone else? See, the Holy Spirit produces in us a humility where we look across the room and we go, man, those Christians are messed up. So am I. And I mean, we don't have stuff to talk about. We got a lot to talk about. But we tend to let the secondary issues trump the primary ones. And the primary issues are this. You and I feel alone. You and I feel vulnerable. You and I feel irrelevant. But we believe in the Holy Spirit together. And because of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives, we are never alone. We have him and we have each other. Because of the Holy Spirit's power in our lives, we are not vulnerable. We have God living in us. And because of the Holy Spirit bringing the purposes of God in our lives, we are never irrelevant. God is always using us together. I believe in the Holy Spirit of God. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit of God? Let's think about these things and let them encourage us this week. Let's pray for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit together. Amen. If you found God's word informative, transformative, or inspiring, text this sermon to a friend. We'll see you next week. God bless.